Thank you, Dan. And uh, I think I got the mic on. When Dan worked that summer, uh, as he did that internship, and Rhonda had been there for several years, and uh, I remember when he finished, I just told him, I said, okay, Dan, whenever Rhonda uh, is about to leave, you make sure you're available, okay? And so when Rhonda came to me, the Lord had blessed them with uh, their first son, and uh, I knew that then she wanted to be at home, and so I mentioned to the staff, I said, okay, we need an office manager. And uh, I said, the one that worked here that summer was Dan. I'll give him a call. And I remember when I called him, Rhonda wanted to be done like in January, early February. And I called Dan and uh, he said, actually, I'm done with my you know, post office uh, in January. I said, okay. And so we had met down uh, in Johnson Creek and we talked over and just how the Lord brought him uh, to work at camp. It's been a blessing. Uh, it's interesting, you know, in our day and age, we had always, in all my years, and one of the things in 13 summers there's years, uh, it seems like I've gone through like five different secretaries. I said, am I that hard to work with? Okay. But uh, the first one was there as I arrived. She was expecting her second child, wanted to be at home. I said, okay, that's where you need to be. And then uh, a girl stepped in for just a temporary thing for about six months. And then she wanted a different job. Rebecca was our secretary and she had a second child, wanted to be at home. And so you know, that was fine. Then then Rhonda came and uh, she did a great job. And then she had a child wanted to be at home. So now I hired a man. OK. <laughs> OK. And, uh, but uh, it, it's been a blessing. And one of the things, okay, how can a man answer the phone and talk to all these women that call into camp? OK. And so I remember as Dan started, I would be in my office listening to him, talk to him. And he does a very excellent job talking to them. And it's usually the mom that are upset about something that he has to calm down and uh, just say, it's going to be okay. We'll figure this out. And uh, But uh, he does a great job and I appreciate uh, his ministry and uh, willing even to drive me around to some of the places that we go uh, in the ministry. And so thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. In Sunday school, we were looking in... Um, Colossians and talking about how to think on eternal things. And uh, one of the gentlemen mentioned about uh, walking in the spirit. And I said, wait a minute, that's the Sunday morning message. OK, <laughs> I'm going to get that to Sunday school. But in Galatians chapter five, uh, this was uh, from uh, a year ago in, a, in our theme that summer. And uh, we, what I took was Galatians chapter five, and it talks about our liberty that we have in Christ. We just celebrated or remembered the Veterans Day and, and the freedoms that we have. But I want to focus in on our freedom or our liberty that we have in Christ. And once we recognize what that liberty is, there's also a responsibility that we have to what I've entitled the message, Walking in the Spirit. And uh, so that's kind of the theme of the message is walking in the spirit. But I want to kind of look at this chapter and kind of show you how we have this liberty in Christ and then how it impacts our life. So in Galatians chapter number five, let's start in verse number one. The Bible says, stand therefore, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled with the yoke of bondage. So he talks about stand fast, therefore, in this liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. 
So this freedom comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And like in Sunday school, we talked about starting out where, where we have to recognize that this, this freedom that we have comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. He has set us free from our sin. Now go over to verse 13. And he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So now he takes this liberty and gives us some kind of restrictions about, okay, you have this liberty, but how are you using this liberty? And then he gets us down to verse 16, and then we'll have prayer. It says, this I say, then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so what I want to focus in is taking this liberty, this freedom we have in Christ, and then applying it. How do we apply that in our life as we walk in the spirit? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the privilege to gather in this local church. We thank you for these folks and, and just, uh, just even this beautiful building that you've allowed them to, to be in, to meet in. Pray that you'll give us a, a profitable time as we look into your word today. Be with Pastor and his wife as they're away and traveling back. You give them safety. Continue to bless their ministry here in this community. Now we ask you to direct our thoughts to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Galatians, written by Paul, to address some false teaching that were disrupting the churches of Galatia. Now, here's what happens. He deals with the faulty understanding of the gospel. Why? They had taught that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, who died on the cross to save them from their sins. They taught in order to be saved, a person must put their faith and trust in Jesus. However... They taught that believers needed to follow the laws of the Mosaic Covenant. Okay, in other words, the gospel, okay, but we've added to that, and now you've got to follow all the laws of the Mosaic Covenant. They were not denying faith in Christ. They were saying certain things had to be added to this faith. Most people call this what we would say legalism. So Paul wanted to have them have a clear understanding of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of where the whole book of Galatians is. How do we deal with this understanding of the gospel, how it applies to our life? And so in Galatians chapter 5, it kind of deals with this idea here of this freedom that we have in Christ. And so he says, first of all, stand fast, verse 1, in that liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And so here's this idea that we are set free in Christ, and we need to recognize that. But what what the Galatian people were doing, they were adding to this, not only do you need to get saved, now you have to add all these works to it. And so that's where we come up with this term of legalism. In other words, you've got all these standards, and if you do all of these things, if you buy by this and you wear certain clothing and all these things, then you have this salvation. Now, I am glad that we don't have to live that way. That's not the way he set it up, but that's what they were following, the Old Testament traditional laws, the covenant, and adding to that. And that's how they're going through life. Now, he's trying to address this. Then he gets to verse 13. He says, brethren, you've been called unto liberty. In other words, we have this liberty in Christ, but use not this liberty for an occasion to the flesh. So here's what was happening. Some of the people said, wait a minute, we have this liberty, we have this freedom in Christ, we can do whatever we want to. 
So now you've got the legalism. They, they have all these rules and regulation. And then on the other side, you have, well, we have this liberty. We can do whatever we want to. And it's interesting because the two extremes here. But if you notice this. Legalism on one side, the license to do whatever I want on the other side, they're both man-centered. And he goes, I want you to take this liberty that we have in Jesus Christ, in verse 13, use this liberty, not for occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so now what we have to do is we have this liberty in Christ that we can live our lives to honor him. One person said this, just as Jesus Christ is the primary person behind justification, the Holy Spirit is the primary person behind our sanctification. And so this liberty that we have in Christ now is our responsibility as we get to verse number 16. He says, this I say then, in other words, we have this liberty It's in Jesus Christ. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now, that's what I want to focus on today. Walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? How do we apply it to our life? How are we doing this? How is this impacting our life? And so, four things I want to see. Number one, let's look at the command. The command to walk in the Spirit. We see it's given very simply, verse 16, this I say then, walk. There's the word. Literally, the word walk means this, to keep on walking. So keep on walking. It's used in the present tense, indicating a continuous, regular action. In other words, a habitual way of life. It's not something that we do one time. It's something that we learn to do and we continue to do it in our life. It's given in the imperative mode. That indicates it's not an option, but it's a command. As a Christian, as one that's got our freedom in Jesus Christ because he's freed us from our sins through salvation, he now says, here's the command, walk in the Spirit. Walking also implies progress from where you are to where you ought to be in a step-by-step process. MacArthur said this, So while it is the Spirit who is the source of all holy living, It is the believer who is commanded to walk. Let me read that again. It's the, so while it is the Spirit who is the source of holy living, the Holy Spirit of God, it is the believer who is commanded to walk. And so here's the command. Walk in the Spirit. He's given us that command. Now, some of you, do you remember when you started to walk? Okay, now, we have grandchildren. And our son Mark, I mentioned Mark and Rachel, went off to Zambia in January of 16. And their youngest son Aaron was only six months old. So they get to Zambia. And the one nice thing I like about technology today is that they could FaceTime us all the time. And so the boys, they wanted to see Papa and Grammy every morning when they got up. And so they would FaceTime us. The problem is they were eight hours different than us, so it was like 12.30 at night. So, so Papa and Grandma had to stay up so we could see our grandkids, and, you know, they'd FaceTime us, and they were getting up. But when, when Aaron started to walk, it was in the middle of the summer that summer, and so every day Mark would, would FaceTime me, and he would show me 
Aaron taking like that first step. You know, take it one step and you're all excited. And then he falls down. Okay. And then he, the next day it was a couple steps. And then, you know, within about a week, Aaron was gone. Now Aaron is an absolute terror. He goes everywhere. Okay. And, uh, when we brought Mark home a year ago in November, uh, Mark and Rachel had to fly from, uh, LA back to Madison early. And so they left their two sons, Aaron and Derek with grandpa and grandma. And we had to fly with them. So we left in the morning uh, from from L.A. We had to fly, change planes one time, get back to Minneapolis, get in a car and drive from Minneapolis all the way to Madison where mom and dad were. And um, it had been a while since we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, okay? But trying to keep track of Aaron in an airport waiting for a plane, he doesn't understand patience, okay? And he wanted to run everywhere, okay? But once he learned how to walk, it was like, let's go. Okay, now here's a question. Have you learned how to walk in the spirit? Okay, how to walk in the spirit? Because it's commanded. This is not an option. As a Christian, he gives us this simple command. I want you to walk in the spirit. And granted, when you first get saved and, and you try to do some of these things, it doesn't all fit in. And as a babe in Christ, we're learning to walk. But now as someone that's been saved for years, how is our walk? Are we truly walking in the Spirit? And so the command is very clear. Walk in the Spirit. But then he gives us the conflict. Look at verse 17. He says, Here's the problem. Walk in the flat, in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Why? Verse 19. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then he goes on in verses 19, 20, and 21 to list all these works of the flesh. But let's look at this conflict. Here's the practical thing that we have to deal with today. Wouldn't it be great if we just take this simple command, walk in the Spirit, and life would be great? But I think he gives us the reality there is a conflict. We have a conflict today. And it's a daily conflict that we face every single day. Why? Because verse 17 is for the flesh... Lust is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. So even though we get saved, we get our liberty in Christ Jesus, we still have this conflict going on. The flesh versus the spirit. And it's a daily battle. I wish I could say that, that once you hit 50 years of age, the battle's over. <laughs> okay, I've hit 58 and uh, the battle's still there. As I have the privilege to work with teenagers, started working with teenagers actually when I was a junior in high school, 1977. Uh, in fact, I just saw on Facebook, my wife showed it to me last night. She looks at our account most of the time, but uh, realized that this summer uh, in 2018 will be my 40 year um, anniversary from graduating or reunion from high school. I said 40 years. And as I started working as teenagers when I first got to college, so almost 40 years of working with teenagers. And to see 
the, how our society has progressed to see what teenagers are dealing with today versus even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, all of the bombardment from the things of the world, the flesh. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I saw a debate about how, how old do your kids have to be before they get their first cell phone. Um, you know, I'm old-fashioned at camp. So you know what we do? When the kids arrive at camp, I collect all their cell phones. Okay? And some of them now, they've learned to do this. They bring two cell phones, okay? So they turn in one, and that way they can keep the other one. I hope I'm not giving any ideas here, okay? But, but you know, they're, they're so dependent upon these things, okay? But, but the other part, you know, and, and technology has changed, and that's the way of life, but also the access to, to so much garbage out there. And it's, it's a battle, And so we have to recognize in this life, as a Christian, we have this liberty in Christ, but we also have to recognize there's a battle. And so how are we doing in this battle, this conflict between the flesh and the spirit? It's a daily progress. The the, the battle's there. I remember I was preaching at camp one time and, and, uh, talking about this battle and, and at camp, since I'm, we're in Wisconsin and then the camp director, I can do this. We declare that on Thursday is Packer Day. Okay. And so that goes over pretty good, except for the kids that come from Minnesota. Okay. And so I let them wear their Viking shirts. You know, we have to have someone that we can beat. Okay. But, uh, I had a boy up front and I said, okay, I had the boy. I said, okay, you got a Packer jersey on. You have a Viking jersey on. Okay. And we have a conflict here. Okay. And you're going to play in this battle game called football and one of you are going to win and one of you are going to lose. Okay. But there's going to be a battle. And I, and I kind of had them go at each other, okay? And I stopped it quickly before we got an all-out fight here. But I said, okay, one's going to win and one's going to lose. But I said, it's just a game. And you're going to play another game. And it's, and it's an ongoing thing, okay? Just because you win one time doesn't mean you have victory the rest of the time. The battle keeps going on. And here's what I want to show you is this battle. Yes, you, the command is to walk in the Spirit. And just because yesterday you had a good day, you were walking in the Spirit, trying to do right, does not guarantee you're going to do that today or tomorrow. It's an ongoing battle. And he says there's this conflict, and so we have to recognize that there's this conflict. The Bible says, why? For the flesh. What is the flesh? It's that lust, the strong, compelling desire. The flesh, that old nature, that sinful nature that we're born with. One person described anything less than, other than that God, than God in which mankind places his trust for God alone. In other words, anything that takes us away from God is that that's that fleshly desire. We need to recognize that we need to have a desire. Romans 13, 14 says this, But put ye on the Lord Jesus, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so we recognize that there is a battle. Colossians 3, verse 5, Mortify or put to death therefore your members which are upon the earth. And then he lists a whole bunch of these things. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concubiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. And so what we need to recognize is that we need to recognize there's a battle. And how are we going to defeat this battle? He says and describes all these works of the flesh. And it's kind of interesting. Because in verse 19, he says, the works of the flesh. 
And then he describes these in several different ways. The first few in verse 19 were basically the, the areas of sexual immor- impurities or basically sin against self. That was the first conflict. Verse 19, all these works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Then he gets to verse 20, and these were basically sins against God or kind of man-made religions, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. And then he gets down to verse 21, and these were basically sins against others. And so basically, bottom line, is a person that's living... Giving into the flesh, it's a very wicked lifestyle. And a lot of these things we say, why do people do what they do? Realize because they have a sinful nature. And they're giving into that sinful nature and they're, they're, they're following it and they're losing the battle. But he says to us, what, what, what does he say to us? He wants us to recognize there's battle. The command is walk in the spirit. The conflict, it's a battle between the lust and the flesh. Number three, I want to give us a cure. What's our cure? Four parts, I think, that we can, can kind of draw throughout the whole scriptures about how do we have and deal with this battle we're facing, walking in the spirit, so we come out victorious. Number one is salvation. Number one is salvation. Remember the gospel. The, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have the victory to walk in the Spirit? Is first of all, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation. And then at salvation, this is a neat part. At salvation, we get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. All of it at salvation. Now, it's up to us how much we allow that Spirit of God to direct our lives. And so we, as a Christian, have that Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ. How much are we allowing him to work in our lives? So salvation is the first part of this cure. Number two is Scripture. Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I appreciate it as Brother Jeff get up in Sunday school and went over the verse, the memory verse from last week and gave as a church a memory verse for this week. Why? The word of God, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. To me, it's always interesting to look into the, the gospel. When the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil, what did he use? Scripture. He used Scripture. He used scripture. And so as we face this battle with the flesh, sometimes it's just going to the scriptures and allowing the scriptures to help us through the battle. Not only number one, salvation, number two, scripture, but number three, supplication. In other words, prayer. That in Romans chapter 8, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but that the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, the, the Spirit, God, will direct us and help us in our prayer time. Here's what I just want to challenge you. As you get up on a daily basis and you recognize I have this liberty in Christ as a Christian, my command is to walk in the Spirit. Question. Did you ask God today in prayer to help you to walk in the Spirit today? 
Did you ask him? Just say, Lord, help me to walk in the Spirit today. I realize I'm in a battle. And you know, sometimes before we get very far in the battle, all of a sudden we have conflict. In a home where there's several people, more than one, it's interesting, my wife and I are now empty nesters, and, and she just said the other day, she goes, I miss our kids. I said, well, we're going to get to see them at Thanksgiving, okay, and the grandkids. But growing up, there were six children, five boys and one girl. I won't tell you who was spoiled. But uh, in the house, there was conflict. And who here is the oldest child in your family? Okay, there's something about oldest children, okay? And uh, so Micah, our oldest, he sometimes wanted to be in control of everything, okay? And uh, and then his brother Matthew, the second one, um, he didn't want to give. And so there was conflict in our house with the boys. Okay, I'm sure that never happens in your house if you've got all boys, okay? But, uh, you know, there's conflict. And it started out early in the morning. And so we had to kind of deal with it. Why? Because of that selfish nature. I want what I want. You know, children are very much like that, very selfish. But, you know, as Christians, sometimes we are too. I want what I want. And so we recognize I need to pray, God, help me today as I go through life to walk in the Spirit. I don't know what I'm going to face. I don't know who is going to come into my path. But help me to walk in the Spirit in every situation that I face today. We do it through prayer. One of the things that I, I appreciate at camp is we, we do emphasize prayer. In fact, one, one summer, our theme was on prayer, and uh, one of the counselors or uh, program staff that summer came up to me about halfway through the summer, and she said, Pastor Randy, you've got to like my sweatshirt. And the sweatshirt was Gap. And, you know, I'm not real big into, you know, all the, the clothing brands out there. And I said, what about Gap? She goes, it's our theme this summer. God answers prayer. And so now every time I see a Gap sweatshirt or a Gap anything, I always think God answers prayer. So now I like Gap, okay? And uh, But uh, God does answer prayer. And here's the thing. God answers prayer in your life. The question is, do we pray? Do we ask him? We are in a battle. We need to recognize and recognize that God wants us to pray and ask for his help as we go through. So it's through, number one, salvation. Number two, scripture. Number three, supplication or prayer. And number four is we need to have then self-control. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea there is be ye being filled. In other words, we have the Holy Spirit at salvation, but how much are we allowing him to control our life? The command is very simple. What? Walk in the Spirit. The conflict is real. It's a battle. He gives us a plan. Number one, salvation. I believe that's where most of you are today. Number two is the scriptures. Number three is prayer. And then say, God, I want you to control my life. Now, here's the conclusion. And I want to show you the picture here. Why does God want us to walk in the Spirit? It boils down as we get to verse number 22 and 23. Why? Walk in the Spirit because, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the result of walking in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 
And then he says in verse 24 to remind me, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. In other words, put the flesh aside with the affections and lust. And if we live in the spirit, let's walk in the spirit. So here's the conclusion. Why does he want us to walk in the spirit? Why does he? We have this liberty in Christ. We can do whatever we want. But he wants us to walk in the spirit. Enjoy that liberty we have in Christ. Why? So that I believe that people can see that fruit in our life. Now, here's the litmus test today. Let me go through these just a moment. The litmus test is this is how well you're doing as you walk in the spirit. As you walk in the spirit, number one is their love. And the love here is that agape love. In other words, that sacrificial love, willing to do for somebody something that, that expecting nothing in return. One of the things that I enjoy most about camp is bringing our summer staff in and going through our two weeks of training. Just investing in them, trying to teach them and train them and prepare them for the summer that's ahead. Dan mentioned that our, our, our first week of after training is our ICO week, inner city outreach. Of course, the, the 100 to 150 kids that come in from that, from Minnesota, uh, they're the most well-behaved kids you've ever seen in your entire life, okay, for about 30 seconds, okay? And, and then reality hits. But one of the things I, I try to teach our staff is you're going to have to love these kids. It's not going to come easy. Don't pray, God, give me all the good kids. No, pray, God, give me the kids that I can show the love of Christ to. And as God has put people in your life that you might have the opportunity to show the love of Christ. And it's going to happen when I'm walking in the spirit, asking God to direct my life. And then he brings someone that I might show them the love of Christ. What a great opportunity. He says also the fruit of the spirit is joy. The deep down sense of well-being and exhilaration that abides in the heart of the person who knows all is well between himself and the Lord. Do you comprehend that? That joy of knowing that I have a right relationship with God. I'm walking in the Spirit. There's joy in my heart. I do not understand how a Christian, they understand their liberty in Christ, can go through life and not have joy in their heart. Because of our joy comes from that peace that God, the, the next, next thing he talks about peace. That, that peace that passes all understanding that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens is when the flesh creeps in and, and tries to, to, to get us to look in a selfish way, that's why we don't have peace, because I want what I want. And I'm not getting my way. And, and life's never fun. Well, put self aside, say, what does God want? Walk in the Spirit and love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or as we know it more by Patience. Patience. That's a real litmus test. We go through life, going through life, and I don't want to get upset. I'm sorry, okay? I hope some of you have okay. But 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 I, I had this as teenagers, they'd say, Well, I, I have this anger issue because it was with my dad. I'm just like my dad. Now stop and think a moment. Okay? Just because your dad always got angry, does that give you the right to get angry? No, because that's a fleshly desire. When things don't go my way, I get very impatient. It's funny, my brother and I, we were about a year apart. And growing up, my brother was not the real patient person. 
I mean, we would get into a store someplace and there's like two people in one line and he would just be like, everything. You know, I said, just calm down, brother. It's going to be okay. Uh, we grew up in Michigan and uh, when we drove from Michigan to Wisconsin to go to Maranatha, you had to drive through the city called Chicago. Okay. And if you want patience as a driver, drive through Chicago, okay? This is before they had all the, the, the I-passes and everything. You always stop all these things. But I, I, first time driving through Chicago, I could not believe the traffic, okay? And uh, it takes patience, okay? You better be walking in the Spirit or driving in the Spirit or you're going to be in trouble, okay? But he says, patience. I remember when I was traveling with a program called Neighborhood Bible Time, and our, our director, Brother Homesher, was, was leading a session. There were about 40 college guys out there. And a couple of the guys were doing things that, that tested his, his patience, and he got upset. And right during the middle of the session, I mean, he just, just got really mad, started yelling at us, and then he just stopped. And we're thinking, oh, boy, what's going to happen? He stopped, and he bowed, and he prayed, and he asked the Lord to forgive him for getting in the flesh and getting out of the spirit and he asked them to forgive him, and then he went on and finished the session. I've never, ever forgotten that. Because what Brother Holmesher taught me is that the moment we get in the flesh, we're not walking in the Spirit, and usually not good things are going to happen. And he recognized, just stopped, said, I'm, I'm wrong, forgive me, help me to get back in the Spirit, and he continued that session. And I've never forgotten that in my life. Because, see, what we do is we get so caught up in what, what I want and what things upset me. And all of a sudden we get out of the Spirit and, and it's not good. Walk in the Spirit. And what will happen? Long-suffering or patience will be there. Notice what he says next in verse, the, in verse 20, uh, 22. Gentleness. The idea of kindness. He says goodness. Doing that's what's right. Faith or faithfulness. Gets down to meekness. Basically, that is the, the, the things that power under control. Temperance. That self-control. Now, here's the question I mentioned. We kind of zip through these, but evaluate these. How am I doing with my love, my joy, my peace, my patience, my gentleness, my goodness, my faith, my meekness, my temperance? Those are that litmus test of how you're doing of walking in the Spirit. As we evaluate our life and we look at it and say, okay, you know what, Lord, there, there's some things that I have not been walking in the Spirit. Here's the good news. We're able to confess it, ask God to help us, and we can go the rest of this day walking in the Spirit. And that's what God, I believe, gives us that command to help us, because he wants our life to impact those around us. As we walk in the Spirit, here's the key thing. People are watching your life. They're watching your walk. What are they seeing? When we uh, moved into Chatech in 2004, the camp had some financial struggles, and so what they did is they allowed us to put up a, a house on one acre. They deeded it to us in the back part of, of the camp, put up a house. But as we were about to put up this house, my neighbor across the street, Irene, she did not like the thought of a new neighbor. 
So we, we pulled the car there, and we actually parked on her side of the road, and she came out to inform us that two of our tires were on her property. It's like, okay. So we moved to the other side, and it was all wooded, and we, we clear-cut that and put up the house. And when we went to pour the foundation, Irene came over to inform me that, that we were not far enough away from the road. And I said, well, Irene, it's required to be 33 feet from the center line, and we're actually 50 feet, so we're okay. you know. But, but this is how our relationship started out with our neighbor. She did not want us to be there, and she told us. A couple of years down the road, our, our son, Mark, um, who's our computer guru, um, he, she had a question about a computer. She had gotten a computer and she didn't know how to do it. So he went over there and showed her how to turn it on <laughs> and how to log in and basically for about a month helped her get her computer set up. And all of a sudden, Irene began to think we're not that bad of people, okay? But... It, it, for years, you know, we, we tried to, to, to share things with her. We invited her to some camp things uh, where the gospel was pre- presented. But Irene never, anytime you talk about spiritual things, just cut us off. Boom. Cut us off. Don't want anything to do with it. Over a year ago, she got, she got quite sick and uh, was, had to be in a nursing home. And so I would still go over and visit with her. And every time we tried to get to spiritual things, it just cut us off. And it was uh, after Christmas, um, a couple years ago, as we were there visiting, my wife shared the whole gospel presentation through the Christmas story. And to our shock, as, as my wife finished and, and I said to Irene, would you like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? And she said, I think I would. My wife looked at me and said, okay, you take it from here. And uh, so, so she prayed and, uh, you know, called out to the Lord. And it was only about a month and a half later that then she ended up passing away and uh, is gone. But I thought about for 12 years, she watched us. And even though she said things and, and she, she would, it was, it was amazing some of the things that she did. But you know what? Our goal was to show the love of Christ. And I hope that because she could see our walk in the spirit, there was something different about our lives. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Walk in the Spirit because I don't know who God has put in your life, who's watching your life, but you have an opportunity to reveal the fruits of the Spirit and impact their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Walk in the Spirit. Are you doing that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word.